Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. Finds Ward and there's his game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it. Derek, you win. Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 58 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company here with the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Crawford to talk about Syracuse and their third straight loss, this time to Pittsburgh. Um, Bring on Bama is well in the rear view. (laughs) Although although Bama's only got one fewer loss than Syracuse at this point. Wow. We end up meeting in a lesser bowl game. You know, the Idaho Potato Bowl featuring Alabama and Syracuse. How about that? But regardless... A tough loss for Syracuse, nineteen to nine at Pittsburgh. I'll just let you start. Thoughts on the loss? Um, I mean, you know, with my new experience being a student, student tonight, taking off the athlete, I was a little bit busy on Saturday, but uh, you know, obviously being a good uh, upstate New Yorker, I had the game on in the background with a little noise, and um, yeah, the. Uh, the 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 nine on the offense on the scoreboard for Syracuse tells you all you need to know about the the sputtering offense. Um, you know for for uh, Orange all all game. I didn't even I, I can't really think of the only time I looked up and saw a big play was uh the Kansas Damon Alfred made. I can't I think it was in the second quarter, second or third quarter. But outside of that, and you know you watch a football game, you watch any sporting event, you look up when the crowd makes noise, you look up when something exciting happens, something exciting happens. And, you know, on either side of the ball, it really wasn't a lot, honestly. I think the best player uh, for either side was out in Israel, Abikanda. Hopefully I said that right, amen. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't like me. He only put up 19. So, Keaton Slovis, again, a guy that, you know, I'm surprised has struggled, you know, as, as much as he has so far, considering a guy that he's really in a battle with JT Daniels at uh, USC, a guy that's struggled at West Virginia. But, um, yeah, it wasn't an exciting game whatsoever. Uh, whatsoever. Um, but it really was. I mean, we'll probably talk about it. The the biggest uh, surprise to me was, you know, the inability to get Sean Tucker going yet again after a lot of talk, both admitted from the coaching staff and a lot of public discord about the lack of a run game from uh, Sean Tucker, or lack, lack of production in the run game, and you know, lack of carries. So it's definitely um. Yeah, no reason that Pitt truly would have presented a threat to uh, or you know would have been. Proved a worthy adversary for Sean Tucker in the run game, but a uh, ten carries and nineteen yards led us here. We are so it's um it's an alarming thing. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. 
Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. No question. Now, I'm before I get into the Syracuse side of things, I just want to say um, Pittsburgh coaching staff was stupid in this game. Just flat out dumb. Because early in the game, Pittsburgh was running the ball very well. Okay? Uh, now, Syracuse's run defense did, did shore up as the game went along. But early in the game, Pittsburgh was controlling the line of scrimmage. They were picking up five, six, seven yards of carry um, and moving into Syracuse territory. And they decide to throw, A, they shouldn't have been throwing the ball in the first place. There was no need to. But second, the pass play that they call was a backwards pass to their wide receiver who then tries to throw it back to um, their their running back, almost like a weird type of Philly special type of thing. So you call this trick, and it ends up getting picked off by Isaiah Johnson who made a really nice play in the ball. But you're dominating the line of scrimmage. You're moving the ball down the field. You're ready to take control of the game, and you give the other team life because you decide you need to get tricky. You need to fool but it was, it was just, it was stupidity at, at its finest. And they had a couple other plays later in the game where, you know, they run the ball two or three times, pick up a couple of first downs, and then on the very next first down say, got to throw it, and it would be an incomplete pass or an interception, and that would put them, you know, kind of behind schedule. So I thought Pittsburgh's game plan play calling was, uh, the, the in-game decisions were just terrible. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Now to the Syracuse side of things, you can certainly question play calls on their side as well. Um, early in the game, it was 0-0. Uh, Syracuse marches down the field. They get a, a third and goal at, inside the one-yard line. They've got Sean Tucker. Carlos Del Rio Wilson is not a small man. And what did they decide to do? They decided to do a pitch play out to Sean Tucker, and he gets tackled for a three-yard loss. <clears throat> you run the ball up the middle there, either with a quarterback sneak or straight to Sean Tucker. Even if he gains nothing or doesn't quite get to the end zone, you give yourself a chance to do another of the exact same play on fourth and goal. And then your worst case scenario is Pittsburgh gets the ball inside their own one yard. And if you believe in your defense as much as you say you do, you feel like that's a good spot where worst case your offense is going to get the ball back in good field position. But you should be able to score with a player like Sean Tucker on two plays inside the one yard. So that, you know, there were play calling issues. Save there. the Seattle Seahawks. There were play calling issues there. Um, Carlos Del Rio Wilson had issues in this game with missing some open receivers. I thought it was a inexperienced quarterback who was trying to, you know, show off his arm and zoom the ball into specific spots as opposed to, you know, showing a little touch here and there. That's something he'll learn with experience. Um, this is a game I think they missed Garrett Schrader because of situations like that. Um, but the defense actually held up pretty well. They forced two turnovers. They got a couple of sacks. 
Um, they held Pitt to 3.4 yards per carry on the ground. Um, and even though Pittsburgh started, was running the ball well early, they did everything they could to win this game. So this was extremely disappointing um, for Syracuse's offense, for the creativity in the ground game. Um, you know, some of the things we saw early in the season, the screen passes of Sean Tucker, the swing passes of Sean Tucker, um, some of the stretch runs to Sean Tucker that we, we haven't seen in weeks. And I think it's hurt the offense, and that was why they lost this game. So, yeah, three in a row is tough. There's no question about that. Um, but I want to specifically focus on the run defense. It was a big thing in the last two games, the first two losses, Clemson and Notre Dame where they gave up, you know, 260, 290 some odd rushing yards. In this game they didn't give up nearly that much. They only gave up 161. But like I said, that was 3.4 yards per carry. So 161 is not that terrible. And almost you can win games. Almost 30 carries if you're doing my math correctly. That that's correct. That is correct. Good good math. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually it was it was uh, 48 attempts from mm. from Pittsburgh. A lot of attempts. 48 for 161. That is a so, lot um, you know, I, I think a, a giant step up from where it was the last two weeks. Um, certainly not perfect, but gave yourself a chance to win in this game because of it. So um, I think an encouraging sign, and now you're going up against a Florida State team that's been running the ball extremely well next week. So you're going to need more of that. That means, um, you know, lining up with four man defensive lines at times. That means bringing up your linebackers and having them blitz at times, bringing safeties off the edge a couple of times, which they did in this game. Um, you know, so it, I thought a, a positive step forward for the run defense. That was kind of my main positive takeaway from this game was the fact that the run defense did show up and give Syracuse a chance to win. No, when you have, uh, you got backers like Kale and Marlo. You're gonna even the you know you your linebackers naturally are the your highest tacklers on your team. But you know when you have those guys that are able to play fast and able to still you know play fast and think slow, you, you, those guys are gonna be able to just minimize a lot of you know chunk plays. Like even in these past two games, like yeah, the total yardage is pretty you know. Not drastic high, but you, you did not, you know. I mean, Shipley broke up a long run, but like even the Notre Dame game, there's not a lot of like clear, like broken tackles, 50 60 yard runs. It's more of like a war of attrition, you know, gradual wear down because of the lack of size, Jordan Davis and Dominic two types in the middle. So it's like, you know, it was a thing that we saw, uh, you know, issue, uh, specifically the front seven, uh, ball up a little bit. Um, hopping back a little bit before we move a little f- forward. Talking about, uh, you know, because, you know, working forward with uh, Carlos Dario Wilson because, um, you know, the lack of information from issue or the lack of clarity about, you know, Schrader's injury forces us to, you know, assume that Carlos is going to be playing, playing at least the next game. Because, you know, again, the, I think the most we have officially from issue is that Gary Schrader has a, a owie slash lower body injury. So we'll let the medical professionals sort, sort that out. So, you know, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, one thing that I really I did observe, you know, obviously knowing Carlos making his first start, he's going to be antsy. Um, you know, yep. he's going to be uh, hyped up, ready to make big plays. Certainly was. And um, I about to say, you, you can see, um, like I said, the first the first half where I really was looking in, <laughs> no check downs, no nothing over the middle of the field. Everything was definitely <clears throat> um, trying to make a big play. And you can see in the box score even, you know, eight for um, – 
not a lot of completion. So eight for one, uh, eight for one hundred twenty yards. Yeah. Almost, almost at least over fifteen. Uh, first, at least a, a first down and change per play. So that was the thing to where, yeah, he's definitely not um. And like you said, that's his first start. You're not expecting him to be a polished, nuanced quarterback. But um, yeah, some of the arm talent things, some of the throws he made, some of the tight windows that he fit the balls into, were just kind of um, you know, it, it, uh, not. I was like, you can't reminisce. It was just, it was comforting to see those same things that, um, those same flashes that we saw against ND and not, uh, not to be a fluky thing or, you know, he just came in and there was no, um, there was no film study on him or whatever. I think that this is a guy that where, like, you talked about some of the negative fan reaction. I think that, you know, some of the, 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 the momentum of the season and, you know, just the, the way that it is going is more, more of the reasoning for, you know, some of the negative things. But I think that, you know, give another spring, you know, let some of the, you know, let the system of college football and the, 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 the year cycle out. I think a lot of fans are really be excited about Carlos. And I think that this end of the year stretch, whenever Garrett, whenever Garrett Schrader comes back, you know, I think that people will be able to point to this and be like, this is a reason why, you know, Carlos does compete for all ACC spot next year or is more of a steadying factor at, um, at QB next year because the only way you can, you know, be, get comfortable at that position in the ACC is playing, getting reps and getting reps on, with live bullets. So every every snap that Carlos takes is a positive for me this year in terms of, you know, his the, the ceiling of the issue offense and next year, you know, in terms of his comfortability going forward with the offense. Listen, I mean, you can see the arm talent when he slings it. He's he, He's got a cannon. Um, every throw, every, every ball that comes off of his hand – um, has a tight spiral, um, and he's got tremendous confidence. Okay, so um, all, all of those things are good places to start. He's he's you know has a good physical stature. He's mobile. Um, he he has great accuracy on his deep balls, but there's certainly things that he he needs to work on, and and some of those things showed up in this game. Um, that is touch passes when. You know he's got to he's got to kind of put the ball over a linebacker and in front of a safety and kind of dropping it into a certain spot. You know he's he's still learning how to take a little bit off of his cannon arm um, in order to make that throw. And you know there are a couple of times when he had a guy open and he gets a little, as you said, antsy, excited, amped up, and and he you know launches the ball and he overthrows a guy. And, and that happened a few times in this game. There, there's no question that. Uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson in two years, two years from now, that version of him, I think, wins this game. Um, but at the same time, he also wasn't put in the exact best situation for a number of reasons. He had no running game to help him. That's number one. Number two, um, the play calling was not overly creative. It was very vanilla, and I think that hurt him as well. And then there were times when his receivers, there were a few drops and there were times when they lacked getting open. So it wasn't like he was put in the best situation in a perfect world. You'd like him to be able to unleash some of those throws in situations where it's off of play action because Sean Tucker's running the ball well, right? So now he's got bigger windows to throw the ball into, or he can throw the ball downfield because um, Damian Alfred's got a step on a guy, stuff like that, <clears throat> or Demarcus Adams, who who he has a good rapport with. 
but instead, because the offensive line struggled in this game and gave up a lot of pressure, he was constantly under pressure. He didn't have running lanes to scramble nearly as much in this game. And because the offensive line struggled, they were missing starting left guard, Kalen Ellis, uh, which really hurt them in the run game. As you said, 10 carries for 19 yards for Sean Tucker. You know, I mean, they, they flat out could not run in this game. And, that's a tough situation for a young quarterback. So I don't think this performance should deter the excitement on the potential of Carlos Del Rio Wilson for Syracuse fans in any way. Um, I just think, you know, it's one of those situations where he didn't play his best. He still showed flashes of why people should be excited about him, but Syracuse as a whole also didn't help support him. Um, you know, when he's having some of those struggles as a young quarterback as well. And I would also say, look at where Garrett Schrader was last year to where he is this year, how improved he is as a passer, as a quarterback overall. And now you're starting with Carlos Torrio Wilson, who is a more natural thrower of the football than Garrett Schrader is. And I don't think that you should draw sweeping conclusions off of someone's first start and just say, well, He's no longer the future. We must give up on him now. That's that's far too extreme for me. Um, you know, let let it play out, and you know, I I think he'll learn from this, and and the coaching staff um, hopefully will as well, in order to uh, try to put him in better situations um, for as many games as he has to play, as long as Garrett Schrader is out. Um, all of that said, it was an ugly game. Um, Syracuse won the turnover battle. Still lost the game. They held Pitt's offense in check. Still still lost the game because they couldn't move it offensively. Syracuse is now 6-3. and three. Where do they go from here? There's three games left. Florida State, Wake Forest, and Boston College. Wake Forest has lost two in a row and hasn't looked that great the last two games. They struggle to stop people. Boston College is a train wreck. Um, Florida State's coming in playing extremely good football, but it's the last home game of the year, so you know Syracuse is going to be amped up. What, what does Syracuse have to do to try to turn this around and not turn this, you know, three-game losing streak into four or five or, or you know, God forbid, six? I mean, you know, one of my favorite phrases, you know, is nut-cutting time. You know, you say you got three games left. Um, you know, we've already achieved boil it. Bowl eligibility, you know, the things after that hasn't been exactly what we, uh, you know, want to. We want to get up to par. But I think if you get two out of the next three, any way you want to slice it, I think BC should probably be a given. Um, and either you got Florida State, a team that has a lot of talent but hasn't really played, um, similar to a team you just lost to another day, or Wake Forest team, like you said, that um, has been on the slide well. But the, uh, that slow mesh that Sam Hartman runs, some of the receiving threats that he has, Especially with a uh, Garrett down and Deuce not looking too stellar against um, being a number one corner, that that would really scare me. But anyway, you cut it, anyway you slice it, you got to get the next, the two out of the next three, get to eight wins, get a decent bowl game. Um, depending on which of the two you win, probably stay in the rankings. And uh, in two to three years, um, when we're both rich and famous, we won't even remember you know the little skid, and it'll be you can you can look back and say like, hey. You can look, look. You can look back and say, "Hey, eight wins, uh, eight wins, Syracuse season ranked uh, a large majority of the second half. You know, ranked win. Do we get a ranked win already? Yeah, ranked win. Maybe two, depending on if you beat Wake Forest. So yeah, two of the next three. Any way you cut it, you got to get them. 
the Syracuse fans are kind of in this weird spot because if before the season started, you had said after nine games, after you finished that Clemson, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, brutal stretch, because remember Pittsburgh was ranked in the preseason. Everyone was expecting them to be really good. even even though, you know, they haven't been nearly what people expected this season. After you're done with that three game stretch, you're going to be six and three and have a ranked team coming into the dome finale for the season. Syracuse fans would have been ecstatic, right? We're already bowl eligible nine games in, and we've got a ranked team coming in for the last home game of the season. We know we always play better at home, man. That's awesome. I'm amped up. I'm going to go to that game. Let's sell out the dome and have it be, you know, an awesome experience. That's where ev- almost every Syracuse fan would have been entering the season. But where you are now, you've seen how that six and three came to be. You saw the team start out six and zero and get up to fourteenth in the country. You saw them blow a double digit lead going into the fourth quarter at Clemson, where you looked like you could take control of the ACC Atlantic. Um, you saw a lethargic performance against a Pittsburgh team that was very beatable, and you feel like you should win that game because it feels like you're better than Pittsburgh. You know the Notre Dame game aside. So you're kind of in this spot between six and three is probably better than what I expected going into the season, but my expectations changed after I saw those first six games. So I'm almost equal parts excited, amped up and disappointed, ticked off. Right. So it's kind of in this weird spot in between. And, and I think that's where Syracuse fans emotionally kind of struggle with this team right now is because it feels like it's in between um, this team is is really good and I'm amped up about where they're going and this team is disappointing and it's same old Syracuse. You know, so it's it's like in between those two and it's kind of hard to reconcile both of those at the same time. So to your point, um, trying to win two out of three, yeah, I think if you win two out of three, you're at eight and four and anyone that was – upset and saying same old Syracuse after three straight losses, I think that stuff goes away. If you lose out, then all of that comes back. And there's still going to be the people that didn't want Dino back going into the season are going to become very vocal again. I think you have to win at least one of them. You get to seven and five, even though it's going to be disappointing after starting six and zero. Oh, if you're competitive against Wake Forest and Florida State, but you beat Boston College to end the season, and you say, okay, we were 7-5. and five. The five losses that we had were a close game to Clemson that we let slip away. The Notre Dame game is what it is. We were missing our starting quarterback against Pittsburgh. We lost a close home game against a ranked Florida State team and lost on the road in a close game against a ranked Wake Forest team. If those are your five losses and you beat Boston College, I still think you look at the season and say Syracuse football took a step forward. So that's kind of where I think they are at this point. They got to figure out a way to win at least one of these last three games uh, to feel good. You go into a bowl game, see who your opponent is. Hopefully it's in a warm weather spot for Syracuse fans so they can go enjoy some warm weather in the winter and you know see how it plays out. That's where I think they're at. It's a weird place to be emotionally, but, um, you know, sports are weird. And, um, 
no two seasons are ever alike. And this is one of the stranger seasons that I can remember, um, especially in recent memory. But that'll do it for episode 58 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. For Josh Crawford, I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.